0: Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promised to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Oh,
1: folks, folks and friends and friends and folks, listeners and viewers and everybody alike. Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. And I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And we're happy to have you back for another episode. It's just uh we're going old school OG movie show with just uh let's see, this guy and <laughs> that guy. I, I never couldn't get our names. I always think that we're
2: on the opposite sides when we get posted, but I see myself pointing in older episodes and I'm, I seem to be wrong 100% of the time.
1: <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing is uh, for the video feed, I, which I control because I edit that, um, there's been times where I've been completely wrong too. And I've just left it because I'm like, yeah, no, that oh, no, I'm,
2: I'm fine with the evidence of our like not knowing what's going on <laughs> being in the show. If we started cutting that out, we'd be left with precious oh, little yeah. left, I think. <laughs>
1: oh <laughs> uh, all right um so today we are going to uh it's not a deep dive no we're not doing a deep dive but we are going to just kind of talk a little bit about the early uh the like the first movies in what is now known as the dc um expanded un, expanded universe extended universe expand no dc what the extended e stands universe stands for. What is the DCE stand for? The DCEU. We're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking comic book movies.
2: DC, De, I always thought it meant Detective Comics Europe.
1: <laughs> Detective Comics Europe. European
2: Europe. Union edition. Mm, yep.
1: Yeah, that would be good. And they, yeah, they all and we talk about the movies, but we um, we convert everything to euros. I was like, that's
2: that's weird that this they one. differentiate when they play them over in Europe as when they play them here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy! Um, so yeah, so we are going to be talking so about going, the. We're not
2: going too far back in time, obviously. The no, 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 DC no. movie started back in 1978 when we were six years old or whatever. I was six. Um,
1: uh, what I would have been like five or four. Yeah, like so
2: one or two years old, younger than me. Yeah, so me. we're just we're just going back to when I lived in my old apartment. That's not too far back.
1: No, we're so we're yeah, That's it's not sort of in ancient this ancient history sort of this modern era of and, and movies that, uh, that the DC, the DC comics and everything sort of, they, they, they all work together. They are part of the same cinematic universe. Such um, as it
2: is. The U definitely stands is. for universe. We're pretty sure about that.
1: Yep. And um, yeah, so we're gonna, you know, we're gonna learn, uh, or we're gonna talk a little bit about these movies first though. Um, First, though, a real quick uh, happy birthday to my amazing wife. Um, and she, uh, yep, she is she is terrific, and she puts up with Ryan and I mm-hmm. uh, doing this
2: pretty for much every all week. this time for th- yep, for thirty years ish.
1: Yep, so, and um, and then of course uh, want to thank uh, Charlie De again. Um, for uh, such an um, just a terrific show. Um, last, yeah, if you haven't seen last week's show, what
2: are you doing? You, yeah, he was comic book nerds. What are you doing watching this show and skipping that one? Go back, it's it's one of the best ever, and that's obviously because we had a guest of some serious experience and substance come on the thing and was very gracious with his time and his answers to all my questions and and as thrilling thrilling to have him on so we're- yeah he
1: he was super great he was game he was game for um, all the dumb fun stuff that we uh that we wanted to talk to him about uh, and i think you know and it was really great he was you know i think he was especially i keep thinking back um the the sort of his the the countenance of his face uh when you started asking about the duelists uh and oh, yeah? the dueling dueling I, was directors he happy
2: about that i couldn't tell I, th-
1: I think he was very happy about that he was because he was just like no one has ever asked me about that and i think he was delighted it's neat um, stuff so
2: go back and check it out we also you know we didn't talk about losing um ed asner who's a fantastic character actor obviously his sort of yeah. his his kind of <laughs> speaks for itself honestly um Michael K Williams just a few days ago. That's heartbreaking. He was our age and that just doesn't feel like he should be gone at all. Yeah. Um he's an interesting guy. We we won't get into this too much in the show, but he's he, he he's a really interesting guy. You should check out now is the time because it's all out there. Check out some of the biographical information about him about his his I don't want to say mental illness, but his his struggles with different personality traits that he has. Uh, he was extremely guilt ridden over the way, and really conflicted over the way, um, gang culture and stuff sort of worshipped his wire character, um, which is an, an you know it's an iconic star making performance by him, and the character is fantastic. But he's he was never at peace with it because of those sorts of real world concerns. So he's a real man, a conscience, a guy who because of that brought real depth to his performances. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we're going to miss him a lot. He's, he really was fantastic.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Again, and it's, it is, um, it is a sad, it's a sad tale and he's um, just a tremendous, um, yeah. Tremendous performer. And a, and a guy who... He just kept laying a,
2: it out there and making everything personal. And I mean, it just, it's... Yeah. It's really great work. Really great body work he left behind, for sure. So that's all we can ultimately judge these guys for. But his, like I say, his story, everybody's got a, their own story. And we got to remember that. But, but his is really unique. His outlook on the world and the way he was affected by his work and the way that, in turn, affected his work like that whatever that cycle is is Mm -hmm. fascinating to me to read about so i i I liked him a lot oh okay well let's um not to start on a downer but i thought yeah weeks will go by and we'll Mm -hmm. get to give at least a little tribute to these couple of guys
1: yeah we did yeah we and um yeah. Uh, thank you for posting something about it on our Facebook page. Um, I missed
2: and, Ed altogether. i sorry about that. We were, yeah. you know, we were in the middle of a bunch of stuff when that happened. But you know, was, it's a little easier. I'm at peace with Ed Asner passing because he's an old man. Well, we got, yeah. we got to watch him become a crusty old man at the movies. You know what I mean? Like that. We got to go through that whole career deal with that guy, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like he was really self actualized and. And, you know, like he was both proud of his legacy and he was both restless with the world at large in equal ways. And I feel like that's that's a dude who lived the dream. And I feel yeah. like Michael was just he really could have just been getting started for all we know. And yeah. so that's, you know, it, not to put value on things or it, it isn't like that. It's just it it's a, it sucks when people are taken to from us young for different reasons. that's admittedly true we're going through an era right now i said where the older the older people at the start of the baby boomer generation and certainly the people older than that i mean we're losing some of them every week really there's a ton of them and their influence on our generation in terms of entertainment and pop culture is can't be quantified so i also as people who bring these sort of messages and stuff to an audience we try and keep our perspective about that too and to try and have s- substantive things to say about it rather than just
1: mm-hmm.
2: weepy, you know, cause I didn't know. either. I guys. liked
1: him. He was so great. Yeah, no, it, I just,
2: yeah. I don't connect with it really on that level. Some, some people, you know, I think especially in music, maybe more than, than movies. Cause I think movies sort of do all the work for us, which is great. I mean, that's, what's great about mm-hmm. them. I think music, you're, you're an interactive part of to somewhat, you sort of make it your own and that makes it a sort of different thing. Um, So we, but uh, that's a whole nother really deep discussion that we don't really need to get in now, but these guys were great storytellers, no doubt. So yeah, at at least in our little way, there's our shout out to them and thank you to them for what they, what they put on the line for us emotionally to, entertain us and distract us you know
1: amen
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so
1: Green so lantern. yeah yeah let's go so that's where we're going to start we're going to start with uh so, so here we go we're going get, to get into we're going to have a fun discussion about i found i just found this one i'm going to do it. a fun discussion about the dc there just an
2: explosion. Yeah, but it faded oh. out too fast. Otherwise, it it was, did it really? Otherwise, did. It was I approved. not a good
1: one. It was not a good one. I might edit that one out.
2: Nah, leave it oh. in. <laughs> you got to have something. You know, mm-hmm. I should have emailed you synth blast. That ass is really nice. I think I have cool. that somewhere. Well, uh, eh, uh, er, it's a good stand-in uh, when you need a when you need a. Here we go. Uh, DC EU. <laughs> It's not right. as cool as an explosion, but at least it's a fully formed thing. That is true. Whoever recorded that, that one sound did. cue and uploaded oh, it really—you need to let it. Yeah. let it, let it go.
1: Yeah, that explosion was bad. Yeah. Um. So. All right. Uh, anyway, so let's start with uh, Green Lantern. The Green Lantern. Um. What it, it was. Uh. You know, nineteen uh, or I mean uh, not 2011. Um. It's the movie that, uh, you know, where I, Ryan Reynolds was uh, securing his place as the as an A-list. Uh, he was going to become an action movie superhero. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, 2011 directed by uh, 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 Martin Campbell. Martin Campbell. Yeah. Directed by Martin Campbell.
2: To date, I think it's the last thing directed by Martin Campbell. Yeah. Um, Martin was hired to uh direct that film because he had relaunched he had very successfully relaunched James Bond with Goldeneye and Casino Royale really he relaunched James Bond twice uh, in in wildly successful and popular films he uh created a, a sort of origin story and a modernizing or at least helped to it was sort of a committee approach but he directed um mask of Zorro and legend of Zorro mask of Zorro in particular is still a really fun Zorro. Yeah. Film. Super fun. Yep. Um, and, and, and really does again, it's kind of what Goldeneye golden did. It's it took what the modern movie blockbuster was. It made sure it checked off all those boxes, but it also, you know, got, got to the core essence of what the thing it, itself is. And that was the idea here with green lantern too. This was a, an attempt this has been decanonized i believe if that Mm -hmm. kind of thing's important to you um but in the at the near the end of the christian bale batman films run this was definitely an attempt to launch the idea of an extended universe to bring one of he's not really a side player in the in dc comics green lantern's a pretty big deal but He's not a mainstream serial box superhero either. He's he's got his powers are weird and and tough to, you know, I mean they can actually be explained pretty easily. The movie does a pretty good job of explaining them. But the but they're not they're just not oh he can, you know, it's they're not this little finger list of things that he can do. He Right through the power of this interstellar lantern that charges this ring he wears, he's able to make things from his imagination materialize for as long as he's able to focus on them. And they, they are limited only by two things, the scope of his imagination and, uh, the fearlessness with which he inhabits, um, his present. And that's, That's, uh, the movie does a pretty good job of showing how fearless, uh, there've been several green lanterns through the years. This is sort of the most famous, the most iconic Al Jordan, the scientist slash test pilot who was deemed worthy by a dying lantern who crashes on his planet. Um, it's really not even that guy who chooses him. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the ring. It's the lantern that chooses him and decides. Yeah. Yeah, humans aren't considered in the universe to be sophisticated enough, to be without fear enough, um, to be an old enough, wise enough species to even have ever been considered to be part of the greater lantern interstellar police force. But desperate times call for desperate measures, and when this power source comes out from this guy, it, mm-hmm. it finds it finds Hal Jordan and bestows those powers upon him, and that's that's our way into really storylines they're space opera e but they're really as big as you can imagine they're as big as the universe the powers really do come from the imagination so i've always loved green lantern because of that because what it's whatever you can dream up it's not Mm -hmm. it doesn't you know it doesn't stay for long it doesn't but it, it if you can think of a way to solve your problems you can materialize it in front of you and save the day and of course he does countless times in those comics yeah. And Campbell was a good choice for this. Martin's—he's a known—he's not a—he's um, not a good fit for the Hollywood culture because he's known to be very temperamental. He's known to be a taskmaster on set. He's known to be really vulgar and loud and shouty, and but he's you know kind of full of energy, and he does have this platoon of people that keep coming back and starring in multiple movies of his, our own J.O. Sanders. Green Lantern was his second film with Martin Campbell. And Jay actually comes, uh, of the older uh, distinguished actors involved in Green Lantern, Jay comes off pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tim Robbins and Angela Bassett, not so much. But Jay does a good job. He's... (laughs) If you ever seen our interview with Jay, you'll see that he has this in him. He knows, he knows when he's on screen, and he makes all the nonverbal moments. He creates a character in those moments. Mm-hmm. He does the work of reading his lines and doing what he's supposed to do and being what he's supposed to be in the scenes in which he talks a lot. But the performances in these other moments and these reaction shots—you know—it's in the big. Uh, Lantern's big coming out party Uh, he's got a big emotional moment in it and it does a really really good job and I think that Robbins is more traditional sort of villain so I don't know what he could do but Angela Bassett is and she's a good actor she's really stilted and doesn't know what she's doing in a movie like this and it's not that the part is great but but there's just not much there to, to do with it Mm -hmm. The biggest, so look, everything's here. The, you've got the, you get to go to these other planets. You've got a really interesting bad guy who feeds off of the fear of people. So it's very thematically useful. Uh, This otherworldly entity parallax who comes to earth to suck all our energy so that it can be strong enough to take on the, the lanterns world, you know, universe wide and they're mm-hmm. shown as being, you know, men of action and women of action or fish or bears of action or whichever sort of aliens you have at the time. But they, they're also shown as being this sort of old bureaucratic organization who's not really ready to jump in to a crisis. They mulling it over and stuff. But it, the film has everything. There's an obvious concerted effort to put everything you would want from a Green Lantern movie in it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's all there like, and it's all really well realized visually. And the action scenes are, are in an old school way, choreographed really beautifully. And so what's the problem with it? Well, the biggest problem with it is that Hal Jordan, one of the more level-headed and, and, uh, sort of righteous guys in DC comics is an absolute douche nozzle in this film. Just, yeah, just, ridiculously selfish sort of complete dickhead of a person. He actually only his first, it takes him 30 minutes into the movie before he does or says anything. That's not super douchey. And he doesn't string all, an entire scene of that together until an hour and a half into the movie. And then uh, to Ryan Reynolds credit, I guess, you know, part of the reason he's in this movie is because the character was written this way or was yeah. it wasn't written this way. Cause he was attached to the movie. I, and that's
1: I, At that point, at this I'd like point to know the his answer. Career, to that. Yeah. He was very much. Um, and, and that, you know, that was his bread and butter is that sort of snarky. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, thing. Yeah. And so he. Um,
2: so I yeah, don't I don't like, know the answer to that. And I don't want to put too much blame at his door, because, as I say, when those two scenes come where he's not acting like a total dork he's quite good and he does a really good job of selling the third act, the big finale of the film physically. So, you know, Ryan has it in him to not be that, but when he's playing that kind of character, he has this sort of Jim Carrey voice that he adopts and it just, any idea of, 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 a person, of a, a, just even a conventionally heroic character in a movie just goes out the window Um, I suspect too many cooks in the kitchen from a script standpoint, but this character is nothing like the character in the comics. It's been completely re-engineered to play to his comic strengths of which I've never been even slightly impressed with and still am not to this day. I think Ryan, when he wants to step up to the plate or when he's given material that allows him to do it, he pretty much does it. And even this film in the, like I say, in the end, he's pretty good in it, but but he's terrible in it up until that point and it's terrible um, not because of him but because of the take on the character and he doesn't help with that at all. How how could he? It's clearly what he was brought in to do to be this well, yeah. meh, 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 guy. just I mean, he's just a terrible person. The film doesn't need him to be that. The guy can have a sense of humor. you know. Uh, Reynolds' co- natural comic timing and stuff can all work and he can still be A halfway decent guy who has his own struggles with things. The the film just doesn't deliver on that at all. It doesn't deliver a nuanced character at all. Likewise, Blake Lively, who I compared to Ryan, who I adore as an actor, who I think is is great in almost everything. I've never seen her TV show. I know that's what she's most famous for, but oh yeah, I've never watched that. But yeah, but I've you know I've seen uh, that she's in the town. She's amazing in that. Uh, she's in, you know, uh, the, the, she's kind of Carrie's Age Adeline, which she's really, really good in that film, too. And there's a, there's this whole list of movies where she just is good every time. This character, though, it doesn't allow for that. It, she's a damsel in distress when she needs to be. She's When she needs to be a badass fighter pilot, she's that. When she needs to be a stick-up-her-butt um, sort of corporate... Uh, lecture machine. She's that when she needs to be a wilting Violet who just thinks her, her hell is so cute. She's that there's no character consistency here for Blake to latch onto. So her, she just sort of shows up and looks good and tries to do each scene for what's what's there. But there's this, yeah, there's no consistency to that character at all. It's shameful. It's really, it's really poorly done. And again, the film has that as four or five credited screenwriters. If you don't count the people who actually created Green Lantern, uh, that might be too much, too many permutations, but it's a shame because there's a lot to like there. That film is, is universally dismissed. And it, I think that's not right either. It's there's, there's some really inventive action scenes. Um, the, uh, the, Mark Strong is great in it. As Sinestro, if anyone knows anything about comics, they know that that's going somewhere. And he's he's a good actor to be out on. Oh, Peter Sarsgaard is off the hook fun in it. Yeah. He's, he's so yeah, he's, good every he's time he's bonkers, on screen. Yeah. He's,
1: yeah, he's bonkers. It's so, yeah, he's such a, well, he's such a quirky, unique yeah. talent. Uh, he's he's our generation's he's so
2: John Malkovich, basically, is how I view it. Yeah, and when, when he needs to go over the solid, top, yeah when he needs to go way over the top, like he does in this, it just, it's a, it's a blast. It's a fully committed gonzo performance. And those, those are fun. It's a comic book movie. It's just deserves one. Since our main villain is a special effect, primarily, it's great to have a guy with some old school makeup on, Mm -hmm. just vamping it up. It's really entertaining. yeah. And, you know, uh, Tamira, morrison is pretty good at at is uh, a fish lantern and michael clark duncan as you'd expect is terrible as a pig lantern um you know you're only as good as but but in this you're kind of only as good as what's on the page when that stuff is working this movie's pretty good and when it isn't there's no saving it and it's just too much of it isn't working and it even gets off to a this is not working start that it just kind of never recovers from. So there's a longer version of it. It's sloppy. It's better, but it's, it's a, it's one of those sloppy versions where when they cut stuff, they integrated it into the movie and then putting it back into the movie makes it in the movie twice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still slightly better, you know, it's just a touch over two hours. It's not some mega director's cut or anything, but uh it, it does. It does make his backstory somewhat better, and I don't know. It's a shame, you know. They all just sort of disown it, and it's the butt of a lot of jokes. That's another thing. It if really you're gonna is, cast yeah. If you're going to cast Ryan Reynolds in your film, and it doesn't turn out good, he's just going to relentlessly rip on it like it was your fault for decades afterwards, as if he had yeah. nothing to do with that movie sucking because he did. Um, yeah, his very involvement in it brought it down a few pegs to start so but he looks the part man he looks like kind of looks like hal he looks good in the makeup it's kind of neat when his eyes change uh yeah. when he's playing the reality of the danger and stuff he's pretty good but I, i'm not quoting all the things he's bad at but it's all the rest it's the first hour and a half truly
1: yeah i think you know re- reading uh reading some of the stuff here he you know this movie was originally intended to be a comedy first mm. um you know like people like jack black were attached to it for a while um yeah uh, like Brett, the 21
2: jump street of the of green lantern films basically yeah
1: yeah it was you know and like Justin Timberlake, uh, Bradley Cooper, which, you know, like Bradley Cooper at this point was not the Bradley Cooper we know, you know, from. Yeah, he was on, on his, his way, but he wasn't there he yet. Was, he was calm, you know, he was still, you know, the guy was in wet, hot American summer, for crying out loud. He, you know, he, the guy is fun. It was offered to John Hamm, and John Hamm turned it down, um, who, you know, while. While John Hamm is, uh, you know, obviously known for Mad Men, a serious role, uh, in in L.A. he's well known amongst the the comedy, and in in the in the comedy circuit, um, from just hanging out uh at comedy clubs is a pretty
2: comedic role i would actually say i would argue well yeah
1: i mean it well it absolutely leans you know he he finds his places and leans into it um so the fact that it was a comedy first lead you know and then the the studio said well no we gotta after people on the internet were like they're gonna make it a comedy what jack like what i mean even with ryan reynolds you know and and um and so they you know, they're like, this thing, and they, they, so I think it was a, it was, I think they came from this comedy place and it, and how it moved back is it moved from comedy to where it is, you know, to where, what we ended up getting. So a lot of that, you know, a lot of the, the, you know, the, the quips and the one liners and that, and some of that, you know, snarky humor that,
2: um, yeah it's Reynolds not just snarky humor for. though he's a dick he's just oh, no, a huge get, yeah. giant dickhead for an hour and a half like yeah, it, it's not really it, it shouldn't be a self-serious thing it should be an easy breezy film i think well yeah and it undercuts it undercuts the whole
1: um why you know, on earth the does lantern... this alien
2: entity choose this this self-involved well, yeah butthole yeah don't, it doesn't we're, make yeah where it's
1: supposed they're supposed to be re, you know it's supposed to be resilient and strong of character and strong of heart and we we see none of that except we're just supposed to believe oh well he was a fighter pilot so he must be
2: it's a cool you know, fighter pilot things. sequence but even in that sequence he's just yeah. acting like a self-serving jerk and then when they yell at him about it he just keeps acting like that i mean there's he doesn't Mm -hmm. if you needed him to start at some point to, so he could evolve into something, you don't even show that he just eventually things get so heavy that he just sort of flips, but that's not, that doesn't like Joel said, it doesn't even make sense in the context of its own idea. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's weird how many of the little details the film gets right while it's missing the whole point of the thing. And I don't know that audiences cared. They didn't care at all. They, they, it, it had a decent sort of opening, not great, disappointing. But it is one of those movies where, despite the hype and the fact that it looked like a big must-see event film, it its word of mouth and everything that came weeks later just sent it into the tank. So yeah. it's considered a failure artistically and um, monetarily, and it didn't didn't lead to anything. I mean, it just it's right. it's, it's, its own thing just sitting there now but i, I still well, watch yeah, it every and now once you oh uh,
1: yeah i've seen it I, i've seen it once or twice when it's been on um, it's hard to
2: hate because it it sticks to landing and because there are so many magical things in it but that character yeah. man he's such a jerk it's just it's impossible it's it's crazy that they thought they could write him like that and that we would that's some yeah. movie star magic especially this particular movie star would somehow be able to save it mm-hmm. he doesn't yeah, he couldn't um, possibly
1: yeah so like as you mentioned um it has sort of been decanonized it's you know they're they're saying nope man of steel is the first movie in this in this but this thing. was clearly
2: um, intended to it's an out he's an outskirts character but it's clearly intended to maybe start making movies about these
1: it sets up it, it, i mean it has a sequel setup. It has that post-credits sequence or mid-credits yep. sequence that yep. says, "No, no, this is just the beginning of this." And yeah, yeah. apparently there was a trilogy planned that has been scrapped. Um, apparently, um, and uh, you know, and and I, I should mention that we're um, we're we're talking about the the DC EU movies, uh, and there is this whole other DC universe that takes place in television um yeah, the right. dc the dc properties on television right. Are like gangbusters, and that that thing is we're is never all gonna over. Talk about those. No, and we're and we're not. But I'm just saying, you know. So, but they they do play a little bit of part here because apparently in in uh do you Arrow, really want to know Day. my
2: opinion about like the first season of Supergirl. I can tell you that, but the rest of that crap mm. on the CW, yep, you can the have the Arrow. Apparently, there was an
1: Arrowverse. Now, the Arrowverse has to, you know the the, the Green Arrow show. Uh, Arrowverse did a Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, crossover event with apparently like Supergirl and all these other shows. Um, and it establishes that this film of Green Lantern uh, takes place on world of earth 12. Nice. So they're just like, they're able to shift it into a multiverse saying, yeah, this was, this was the thing because they, you know, uh, it is being, um, they are going to try to reboot it. Um and uh and it, it, you know it was possibly uh, supposed to be well apparently if there was some idea that it was going to appear in just that the the green Lantern was going to appear or at least make a cameo in Justice League um that
2: would have but, been a, that wouldn't have been an, that would have been an okay way of reintroducing him
1: yeah yeah um, um and uh, anyway you know, the problem we'll with the film is
2: that. all this, Minutia aside the 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 problem with the movie is that it establishes green lantern in in the important ways it has to about as well as it can so you can't yeah. just make that whole movie again because you did it. it those parts you did right and you need to establish a different character but somehow with the same setup it, it's a challenge so yeah you really do need to i think do a little bit of what they well i said i wasn't gonna do that so you just well they you need to yeah, sort of I mean, re- reboot it softly rather than you know w- allowing this movie to exist in some ways because there's a lot of useful information in it and then maybe you can have another green lantern movie but i just i don't see it i don't i just yeah don't see they're it.
1: they're um you know they uh uh but, there are other people that have you know hal jordan is not the only green lantern that has ever protected earth true in this uh and so there are um i think there's one of the green lanterns uh the one of them meant to hold the title of green lantern was a guy named john stewart and i think it would be pretty hilarious if they actually just got john stewart um the comedian to to play that role
2: yeah that um, would fix everything
1: that would fix everything i think that would be the perfect movie um no, uh, but no, there. So there are there are, and, and obviously they could still do, they could do, they could create a Green Lantern uh, thing that has nothing to do with, frankly, any of these humans. They could just, you know, because there have been many non humans that have also, uh, if they wanted to save,
2: there's, um, there's uh, uh, thousands of them, in fact.
1: Yeah, if they wanted to save uh, a Green Lantern, um, thing, but I don't think that would be uh, easily. Along.
2: I don't think that would be easily done either. I think all nah, these ideas I think people, are dumb. You should move on to the next movie all right uh, so next movie that. well you know green lantern is an interesting i love green lantern i internet, stated yeah. i stated why at the beginning but this whole green arrow says mm-hmm. it's this i don't care what green arrow says i mean i don't with i get that's part of the the superhero sort of <laughs> ethic so you know some of that's important but it's like what a so cw show thinks something i mean seriously yeah that's yourself internet um
1: don't so come to me with
2: your CW flash stories or whatever. That's, <laughs> it, we we include television on this, but we we have a threshold for decent television. And yep. there ain't nothing on the CW that qualifies. I, I've said that before, and I stand by that. Those shows suck. Um, They're just a c- colossal so, waste of your time.
1: A couple years later, in 2013, uh, the DC uh, Extended Universe officially Uh, Gets going with Man of Steel. And of course, everybody knows the Man of Steel by a different name. Superman.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kal-El. No, yeah. So uh, we have our Superman. Now, you know, Superman, obviously, we had the the great Superman, uh, uh, you know, Christopher Reeve in the, uh, you know, with that 70s and 80s. Uh, then we had, uh, we tried to reboot it. Um, oh, who's the guy who was in, um, uh, before Henry Cavill? What was that guy's name? I
2: don't know. Nicholas Cage uh, got paid boy. for making a Superman movie that they never made.
1: That they never made. Yep.
2: Um, um so, so I don't, but I, I don't know who you're talking about.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, no, I know. Um, let's see. Uh, give me a, Dean give me Cain? A tr- no, 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 no. The uh, these uh,
2: Superman movies in between quest for peace and, and man of steel that I'm aware of. Nine,
1: um, zero. Superman returns. That's what I, the, the oh, Brandon Brandon Ruth. Routh. Yeah. Brandon Routh. Yeah.
2: Brian Singer, Superman um, returns. That's part of yeah. that same. Technically that's a continuation of that sort of. Yeah. Uh, Poor Brandon. Yeah, Dude, a... I'm sorry. Everyone involved in that movie that I just completely forgot about you.
1: So, but yeah, so this is, uh, yeah, this is our reboot of the Superman story. Um, and we get, uh, Yeah, that Henry really
2: was, that film was meant, the Superman Returns was meant to be a continuation of Superman beyond Superman 2, but with everything mm-hmm. sort of changed slightly. I think it's good and fair of them in a cinematic speak way to ignore what is, was difficult for them to continue on from and just to do their own thing. And yet, try and keep the spirit of something that had gone before that everybody loved going. Um, but that, and that film was a big hit, but it just, it had all these costs from these other failed Superman movies that Nicholas Cage, Tim Burton's Superman movie. W- cost Warner brothers, uh, 60 some million dollars. And that was part of Superman returns budget. That's where they yeah. announced to their shareholders where that money was, which wasn't really fair to it. um, and it that has a lot of cool things in it again, but it 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 didn't really spark America's imagination the way the Christopher Nolan Batman movies did, and it was intended to live alongside those. So strangely enough, later down the line, they're going to reboot Superman, not that much later down the line either, but later down the line, and they got uh, Goyer who wrote the the co-wrote the Batman movies, and they got yeah David Goyer. Yeah, they got uh, Christopher Nolan and his wife who directed and produced them to sort of uh, godfather Man of Steel. They they didn't so much create it as they they oversaw certain aspects of the way you should do a movie like that these days. Mm -hmm. The big hire, of course, was Warner Brothers' favorite son, at least at the time, the director of Watchmen and 300 and a host of other things, uh, Zack Snyder. And Zach was going to bring something totally different to the picture, and he, he did. He brought a totally different idea of Krypton than we've ever seen before. He brought uh, a very different, um, much more in line with our modern reality and modern values, uh, uh, Kansas upbringing for Clark Kent, um, parents with very sort of uh, post-9-11 real-world Fears about how somebody like this would be seen in in Uh, society—that stuff, all that stuff—plays fantastically. Um, His two sets of parents, Diane Lane, Kevin Costner, and uh, Russell Crowe and Islet Zier are fantastic. (laughs) They're like it really is a tale of two origins of this character and how Superman is a balancing act between those things between those philosophies and it's it's really exciting that that's done in a way that for really the first time on screen is not uh, in a non-biblical sort of way uh which that i i think no offense to brian singer or richard donner you know tom mankiewicz or all the people who've made superman before they sort of are like hey if we're gonna do this here it is. You kind of can't deny the the Jesus metaphor going on with the Superman character. I think yeah. I think the everybody who worked on Man of Steel found a way to not eschew those ideas but just found a way to to just address them as immediate things that are part of the movie and not lofty metaphorical things that you just you know that we just can't deny. It, it's wonderful that way and that feels like Christopher Nolan's influence to some degree, but it's also Snyder's sort of visual self-assuredness. Those, those scenes, that first half of the film where Superman's finding his way, where Lois Lane is investigating him and sort of discovering him. Um, it's, it's cut in this very cool way where we get him as a young adult going through these series of misadventures while remembering his past. Uh, yeah. it's, it, that film is spectacular. Um, up until the moment where it introduces uh, Michael Shannon's Zod character, um, Zod is <clears throat> Kryptonian mutiny sort of guy who betrayed his own c- uh, uh, planet right when it was during its downfall, and was punished for it. He, Shannon's pretty decent in the role, but the role's uh, the role's a little weird. And the film seems to go into, it's not a bad movie from there to the end, but it goes into this other gear where it's this huge, massive, larger-than-life two gods duking it out on Earth, yeah. you know, um, with all of us little peon human beings, <laughs> like, just scurrying around underneath them, trying to not have a building fall on them. And yeah. it, it loses that human connection that's an important part of Superman. The character himself has some great moments at the end, but the big criticism of that film was, my God, I mean, you just you just can't d- d- completely destroy an entire city as a backdrop to a mono-a-mono a mono final fight and not have us at least consider the carnage involved in something like that. The film doesn't seem to want us to do that. The film wants us to care about the one family that Superman actually, and obviously major spoiler alerts for all these films, but Superman actually kills Zod, breaks his neck, in order to save this sort of cowering traveling family who picked the wrong day to come to Metropolis, and yeah. and it that works because that's a big moment. It's a big moment for Superman emotionally. It's it's over the top like a lot of Snyder's uh, big finales, but that but it's great. But that just Joel, you know, I, I, we've got the Daily Planet staff running around and stuff, but like did way too many. Like, like you can tip one building over, right? You can't not sixty. It's just t- too huge. Yeah, it's t- too much, and you're just, I'm just sitting there going, "Is all these people? All these people are just dying because this dude threw a punch a certain way. Like it doesn't feel right when you're watching it, and." And I didn't like that about it. And that sort of left me feeling cold about a movie that I thought was otherwise. I mean, it certainly relaunches Superman. Cavill is fantastic. Amy Adams is great. Lawrence Fishburne's great. Just tick, 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 tick. You tick the boxes and everything here. Like, you want more of this, for sure. But the film itself.
1: Michael Shannon Shannon is really great as, as, you know, yeah, he gets to. My favorite is What's-His-Face,
2: Law & Order, SVU in it. He gives a fantastic performance in the film as this sort of government agent who just doesn't care that he's fighting aliens or... (laughs) He yeah. just he just goes on about the fight. I can't remember that actor's name. But you guys all know him, you know. Uh,
1: yes, it is Christopher Maloney.
2: Yeah, Chris. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, I may mean, not. Uh, that's me picking a sort of side character. I think where the real soul of the thing is is in the with the parents. With with Crow is fantastic in it, but I think uh, I think with Costner and Diane Lane in particular, that those Midwest. Family, you know that are that are you know Costner's is so wise and he's so calm and he's just the dad that everybody wishes that they had. He's just kind of perfect, but somewhere in him is this deep and carnal fear for the well-being of his son, and it it betrays really ultimately who he could be as a person, who he could be for humanity and it that's there's a tragedy there's a real there's a literal tragedy and a figurative tragedy to that character that I just adore and Costner's is fantastic in that part and and Cavill too as a young man it's kind of fun because you go back watch him as a young man go back and watch um uh Count of Monte Cristo or any of the films when Cavill was kind of a teenager and when you see him playing himself as a teenager he's he's he becomes that again. It's really magical. Henry, all respect, obviously, in the world to Brandon Routh and certainly to Christopher Reeve, right? But Henry's the most accomplished actor I can think of to take on this character at this point in his career. Right. He had done a ton. He's a known thing. He's not a superstar, but he's just he's a, he's this guy who's been acting since he was a kid. He's been in two giant TV shows. Like, he's just done tons of stuff. And he he's shows up with a certain, it's hard to explain because he's a very soulful Superman, but he shows up with this, there's this confidence in storytelling that he exudes. And the film keeps, you know, puts Costner and puts Adams and puts these other movie star people in front of him. And he doesn't wilt that way at all. But the, the ending's tough, man. Maybe you feel differently about it. No, I, I, I mean, I,
1: no, to me, it's, it's, it's one of the, It you don't signature things I show I I I talk about when I or one of the singular things I point at when I talk about uh destruction porn, yeah, it's just it's there's there's no thought to what any of this means. Uh, it'd be something if the
2: film seemed like it wanted you to think about that stuff but I, i'm with you it doesn't seem to it ends with a joke where this aren't cute army girls like talking to Henry- Harry lennox her boss her general what's his face and she's like oh i just can't help it he's so cute like it ends on this sort of happy more adventures of superman but it's like dude what you just showed us is the Apocalypse. It's, it's really difficult yeah. to change gears and to walk with a pep in our step out the door when we've seen an entire city of people yeah. just obliterated. I mean,
1: because the way the way that whole sequence is shot, I mean, we could have seen either well, Superman wouldn't have done it, but Zod could have picked up an entire building full of people and swung it like a bat. And, and the reaction the movie would have wanted us to have was cool.
2: I'm not sure but, it, it goes that I, I, far, but it, but it it definitely doesn't want us considering the consequences of all the card. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's and, a big bloodless, massive destruction. Destruction porn is a fair word. I, I, it's, it's still very self-serious though. It doesn't it doesn't feel like Pacific Rim or anything where it really is sure. all just a big joke. But that's beside the point. A joke, not joke. I mean, even if it's not a joke, it's still too was too much for me. So Yeah. It's yeah. just
1: it yeah and, and um yeah, and to just not yeah to have uh, yeah to have it. so I know I agree I agree with uh, with so much of what you're saying. It's that the first two thirds of the movie are they're really they're really really great. They're even they're Zod's appearance
2: with the Outer Limits TV, sh- you know, taking over your TVs like that's so cool and weird. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and he's. And and Lois as a really active part of the plot, and you know, eventually she's in over her head from what she can do. But her investigation yeah. really drives the movie at the beginning,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I, I love that about it too. I think yeah, her- and Henry
1: Cavill is so qu- you know his that his he he has such a um, quiet, uh, you know, just a, a quiet demeanor to him. Everything is so uh, it just yeah i mean he's it's it's he never you know it's there's never he doesn't uh she she uh, figures
2: out who he is in this great montage sequence lois she figures out she follows these all the strange stories back to their origin point and and he he realizes she's doing this and he comes to her and tells her you know you, you you put everybody in danger if you tell people who i am or whatever and she kind of yeah. she it that lands with her and she doesn't she wants the world to know the story of this thing but she it protects his identity and later mm-hmm. in the film they're standing there and he, she says you know he says well you know you you, you kept you were good to your word and she goes yeah well it, it didn't mean a lot in the end did it and he says it meant a lot to me it's it's i'm not acting it because I wouldn't dare but Cavill yeah. the way he says that line it meant a lot to me it's the simplest thing and yet it, it is full of meaning yeah and that take on the character it we wanted to see more of that regardless yeah, of how is... the film gives us the willies at the end, I, I still feel like, yes, this is, this is, I, more of this, this is great, good job. Yeah, I mean, I think that's
1: what, one of the things that we want from our superheroes is somebody, you know, is when our superheroes realize the weight of the, of, of what their existence means, when they, when they can internalize that, you know, not that we want like everything to be an existential crisis, but we, the, to, it's it's why it's one of the reasons why that doesn't you know why the ending is so over the top and doesn't work is because we have seen Superman understand what his very existence means throughout this whole thing. And then this I mean, yes, he's got to fight Zod, but the absolute and and don't get us wrong the
2: the the kryptons the surviving kryptons have brought a world builder with them they're going to destroy all life on earth that's what's at stake in this final fight so in in scale it's kind of i'm sure from a storytelling standpoint they saw it as acceptable but it's Mm -hmm. still it's it's still hard to take it's hard to take yep yep
1: um all right. Uh, so then, after Man of Steel, we get um, let's see. So that's three years, I believe, after Man of Steel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we get Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. But this is not our Christopher Nolan Batman. This is not our our um, at the same time. Um, it, Christian it, Bale.
2: It it, it it uses the existence of that to because it isn't that but it it's yeah. still it still has that in its back pocket to some degree it's got this whole we just went through this whole batman cycle of films so you're able to take an older batman uh ben affleck in his 40s and plop him down in the first scenes of this movie and somebody calls him mr wayne and we immediately know who he is and mm-hmm. we're off to the races with him and of course the the this is a really good movie, and it's it's good really in both forms, but it's particularly good in its longer version. It's almost a three-hour movie um, in its director's cut. But what its masterstroke truly is taking that thing Joel and I were just bitching about and taking a character that we already love, Batman, and having mm-hmm. him experience that destruction of Metropolis on the ground and have the same reaction that we had when we were watching it. So this thing that we most hated about Man of Steel now suddenly becomes a building point for a conflict that we can truly believe in between Batman and Superman. Because building that, putting those two guys at, at odds really for the whole movie in a very real way, is, it's a tough thing to pull off on screen in a real in a photo real way. It's not that tough yeah. to pull off in the comics, honestly. It's difficult to make us believe it on screen. And the the building blocks of it start with him you know, getting in that SUV, driving into town when everything is crumbling around him, running into the smoke as it's barreling down the street from one of those collapsed buildings. One of the buildings that goes down in this fight is Wayne Head you know Wayne Enterprises Metropolis division, mm-hmm. which is full of his friends and stuff and people that he knows and 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 he just he sees it the way I just said it. These two aliens, these two things that are are and the carnage that they're creating, just as they're having these common fisticuffs, you know, for a non mutant, non super powered superhero to see that his reaction to it is extreme it causes mm-hmm. him nightmares it causes him to be obsessed with ridding the world of this foreign element and you get it and that's it's hard to make you get that because we know superman from that previous film and the world doesn't need to be rid of him he he's good he's good good as gold he's as american as apple pie no we want yeah it. But Wayne doesn't see it. He wants him gone, and the whole plot is, is very, admittedly, really labyrinthian and complicated, multifaceted, triangulated by Lex Luthor, as it turns out, played by um, Jesse Eisenberg. I love Jesse Eisenberg, but I know y'all hate him. You can all screw off. I don't care. He's uh, <laughs> he's great. He's he's, uh, he's I think he's always interesting and fun to watch. And I think in this film, this. This, the role of the the young hot billionaire, like to me, it just is perfect. It's perfect casting, and the fact that he has his own generational things hanging over his head, and and the fact that it's the, one of the first times, at least in modern films, where you know, and forgive me if Smallville does this or if some other shows do this. I, I've not seen those, but. uh It's the first time we see a Lex Luthor who money isn't the issue and getting more money really wouldn't be helpful. He has all the money. He's like a modern billionaire, you know, as we see them, He, he, what he wants and what he's obsessed with is power and legacy. And that makes him much, much more dangerous rather than just thoughtlessly killing people in a land grab. He is causing these two Titans to duke it out and whoever, loses he still wins his plan Mm -hmm. is set up for that rather perfectly and of course he's so obsessed with this stuff that by the end of the film he's lost his mind and he's literally worshiping a foreign power from afar we see this it's i love i just love lex in this film and i i like the new new modern take on him and i find that i find what really drives batman is that opening sequence that thing that it, it just It feels like the fans, for once, and the fans of Conscience, which is a specific part of the group, a subgroup, were listened to in that first film. And this film pays off all of our concerns with that one.
0: Uh,
2: That said, it's unnecessarily complicated in a lot of ways. You've got lots and lots of side characters. You have uh, this big Clark Kent investigation into the Batman Most of that stuff got whittled down to just its bare essence in the theatrical cut, and the people came out of the woodwork. I don't know who these people are. They're a different set of fans than the ones I was just talking about. They, they just, they, they're like they're plot hole fans, you know, where they just are like they're just making their lists of things that don't make any sense. And of course, even at the time, and I hadn't seen a longer version yet, but even at the time, I was like, no, that that makes sense. I mean, they explained that. That paid off. That person did this eventually. Do you not remember that part? I mean, all of their complaints were kind of like, what are you talking about? But that sort of became the story of that film. And I really don't think it's, I don't think it's the plot itself that was the problem. I really think it's, there's a certain point where you, when you make something shorter at the cost of its essence, you make it feel longer and more ponderous. And that's really what the theatrical cut of Batman versus Superman is. Cause it's Lois is back. She's great. Uh, Jeremy Irons, a very low key, uh, but I think kind of welcome in a more somber movie. Uh, Alfred. Yeah. We don't meet really any of the side characters in Gotham or anything uh i i don't like that gotham's like just right across the harbor from from metropolis so much right they're they're supposed to be across roughly across chesapeake bay and that's not you can't go to your roof and see that that's a long ways away still even though they're kind of our neighbors they're the eastern seaboard you know yeah um so that annoys me but i don't know i i And I have to say the arrival, and this is again a big spoiler, but the, oh, and the peppering of Wonder Woman throughout the film is great. Every time she's around, it's fantastic. And every time, and this is where the film really does, gets hurt by the extra cut. I really don't think it's the plot. I don't think it's Scoot McGarney's character or that African woman or that, because that stuff got all got whittled down to nothing. But I don't think it's that stuff that we miss. What we really miss is that Superman's still there. Batman's still there. Bruce Wayne's still there. But um, Clark Kent has been edited out of the film, essentially. Yeah. Clark Kent's an important part of that story. And when you lose a lot of what he was doing, the balance is off. That said, Clark and Bruce meet up at uh, one of Luther's charity benefits or whatever. It's a fantastic scene. It's really, really fun. Lots of sneaking around. Lots of stupid double entendres. But lots of humor and stuff in a movie that's... About terrorism and about all this heavy stuff. It's needed. And I like that too. So I really like the film. Uh, I, I think, again, the third act sort of boom. It just sort of goes off yeah. the rails in the third act. The third act has everybody's favorite scene in it, which is Batman's rescuing of Martha Kent. Everyone loves that scene. I don't know every person alive who doesn't think that's the awesomest scene ever. Where Batman just eviscerates a bunch of bad guys. And there was some complaining yeah. after that, too, from our group. Batman shouldn't be killing all those people. Clearly, he killed a bunch of people in this scene. There's no question. Yeah, And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, Michael Keaton, Batman, started a bunch of circus people on fire and stuff. It's like, I, I did, <laughs> does he not kill people? That feels like a, yeah, a more... Well, that was, we just Recent came developments off of, of that character. Yeah. I was going
1: to say it, it, that that was all just because of the, 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 the sort of the re people. I mean, lay people who aren't in the, you know, who aren't in the comics, but people like, frankly, like me
2: yeah. uh, and stuff. And um, me, I'm not, I mean, yeah. I've read some comics, but I'm not, I'm not a big yeah, comic I've read guy. F-
1: I've read a few. I've read There's the Dark Knight
2: series. Here. Yeah.
1: I've read the Dark Knight series and, you know, some of the other you know b- big, big time, you know, uh, labels and stuff. Right. But the Christopher Nolan Batman series, that's the outlier. That's, yes. you know, that's a different thing than the than the uh, uh, what we have had um, in for, you know, for years. These guys uh, are like throwing
2: bombs at them and shooting machine guns at them. I mean, what are you going to do? It's, you know. What are you going to yeah. do, really? And, uh, and, yeah. What what the end also has, though, is... And Snyder, he's guilty of this all the time. And he's guilty again here. He's got this whole nother super villain and this whole other thing. And the film actually sets up its creation and stuff. But I think... I don't remember if it was you that said this, but I think this would have been better as an after credit scene than the finale of the film, which is the arrival of Doomsday. Doomsday is the... The creature the whatever the alien yeah something hybrid they vary in the film they create it from zod's dna mixed with all this other stuff and it's it's cool the way he comes about and how he evolves kind of right before our eyes into the thing that is from the comics and doomsday's claim to fame is doomsday actually killed superman if you remember that issue of Superman, where the, it's the funeral and Wonder Woman and Aquaman are all walking in the parade in front of his hearse or whatever. It's a fantastic cover, the, the oh. death of Superman. Um, so, you know, fans know that and they sort of know what's at stake there. But we literally see Batman kill Superman. You know, he... Ha- he it, spoiler alert again, but he wins this fight, this impossible fight against this all powerful alien. Partly because yeah. Superman pulls his punches almost the entire time because he's Superman. But, you know, that contributes to it. But Batman's plan works, which is kind of amazing. And then there's the most controversial thing in the whole movie, which I guess we should talk about uh, why Batman doesn't, in the end,. T- t- Deal the death blow is because of this uh, shared first name that both their mothers have,
0: yeah.
2: and it's it sucks because it. I have to say it's too. This is a thing where it's all in the execution. This is it's it's not just Snyder's fault, but it's his fault. It's everybody's fault, really, because whoever came up with this idea has the right idea. This is it. This would be enough to sober him up. Uh, the only great moment in it is, it, it's Amy Adams, it's Lois Lane that actually looks at Batman and just lets him have, she just says, this is his mother's name. That's right, it should be coming from her, but it's just sloppily done. Who's he talking to? Why is he calling his mom by her first name? You know what I mean? Uh, Affleck gives it his all, but the way it is on the page requires him to really be repetitive and sort of hyper dramatic in a way that, that ends up feeling silly because if things either going to work or it doesn't, if it doesn't work, you're going to look dumb in this scene. Yeah. Um, the only one who doesn't come off dumb is Amy Adams. <laughs> you guys look terrible in it. <laughs> so it's frustrating. I was able to get over that in the course of the film because I, I get what they're going for. And I was kind of like, well, whatever. Yeah. And like I say, it's followed up by Batman saving Martha's you know so to speak so it, there's payoff to it too but that scene is so silly and so self-serious and it's so everything that these films kind of have become not to be and it, it's too bad it became this just incredible like meme generating all consuming criticism of the film yep and i got to say it's it, it's called batman versus superman it is the moment in the film where that culminates you do have to nail it they do not do that
1: right right
2: um, but the i don't believe they... i don't believe that the concept is the problem i really do believe they just didn't they didn't find a way to make it work and that's important you had to yeah. you had to finesse that moment and test it it's big and huge and you really you got the money you got all the money in the world you got to do everything you can to that to make it work and right. i they obviously didn't do that or they just thought they'd be okay i'm not sure what and and what else, Joel? Well, can...
1: I was gonna well. I mean, uh, to to me, uh, you know, one of the absolute highlights of the film is uh, is. I mean, yes, we we've met Diana Prince, uh, you know, many many times throughout. It. And then when when we finally meet Wonder
2: Woman, right?
1: Um, that is when Doomsday super smacks
2: fun. Wonder Woman back, and she's sitting there in the rubble, and she turns her head back to him and smiles. Yeah. That's uh, uh, yeah. the arrival of that iteration of this character she's fighting something that's worthy of her
1: you know and And it is it's really it's it's really great
2: she's excited by that the idea of that you know that's that we got get to see where that comes from and it's it's fantastic so yeah wonder woman showing up in even the cheesy crap between is is she with you no i thought she was with you yeah She's not with either of them. She's with them both, but she's not with either of them. That's it. It's, it's, it's a, the film's job is to introduce Wonder Woman to us. And it, and right. that way, again, that's one of the joys of the thing. I'm glad. I mean, I, I touched on that, but I'm glad you pointed it out because everybody wants more Wonder Woman. Everyone wants to hear junkie XL's little Wonder Woman kicks ass theme again and again and again. Yeah. It never gets old. That character is awesome. That actor is like so perfect for her and it's, it, it all works visually. It looks right. It feels updated. And you know, yeah, I dig it. I'm and well, and,
1: and, and the th- here's what I would say. And again, I mean, this is really going into the weeds, but her introduction and her character being so cool is part of why that ending moment doesn't land. Is because we've because she's not involved in it in any way, right? Uh, and you know, and and yes, it is. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's Batman versus Superman. There's no, but we've just been introduced to this badass, super cool character. Her costume is cool. The theme is cool. Well, we haven't her, seen her, her yet, yet. When, we, yeah. when we when
2: we when we're doing Martha, Martha, Martha. We haven't seen. Oh, her that's
1: yet. well, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: she's she's just, boarding a plane and deciding to get off at the last second
1: yeah it's but it is part of why and uh, and to be
2: fair to the movie structurally batman and superman have to resolve their issues to some degree before mm-hmm. she gets involved in this big final fight with doomsday it's just Doomsday's a lot to introduce with 20 minutes uh, to go and, and to, uh, wonder yeah. woman is a lot to introduce even though at least you've trickled that one out to us in a way that we are excited right. for it um right. they try something similar with doomsday but it doesn't quite work And frankly, Death of Superman, again, spoiler alert, but Mm -hmm. that is really, really powerful. That's the scene, and this is, I always love, and I, I, I still in Zack Snyder's corner to a certain degree because when he nails this stuff, he just really nails it. The scene where you have Superman's funeral in Metropolis and the parade and the masses coming out to see it, and it cuts to Lois lying on Clark Kent's bed, after Clark's funeral in small town, like looking up at those glow in the dark yeah. stars that we all had on our ceilings when we were kids and just, and, and dreaming of him and, yeah. and, 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 and his mother coming up and seeing her there and understanding it and their connection. It just, oh, it just it's breaking my heart, just, just talking about it. It feels so real and so amazing. In a film that's so full of this slow-motion, choreographed, magical, superpower, you know, its just sort of off-the-hook, operatic mm-hmm. stuff. this It's this quiet moment that just sh- shakes you to the core. I, I adore that about it. But, but the legend is out about this film. This film did pretty well financially for a film that everyone claims they hated. A lot of people saw it. The critic reviews were pretty good. The when you go someplace and see what people rank it, they the masses rank it pretty good. This was a film, you know, they rank it I mean, I'm not great, but 7.3 or something. A decent rating for a film with such a bad reputation. This was a film that was truly killed in nerddom. They were not yeah. able to get over a couple of things in it and use those thing weaponized those things literally in the discourse. To, to crush it and to basically leave a two-part now extended universe that coheres and makes some sense and has a sort of shared vision. Yeah. And they, they, they weaponized their opinions about it to kill that and to put the yeah. studio, to put the creative people, to put basically everybody involved in this on this scattershot course. To their own doom essentially <laughs> yeah
1: they put it they put everything on blast i mean it, it it's it uh it has the see it has the a record for worst friday to sunday drop off of a superhero movie and then the uh historic 81.2 percent decline from week one to week two yep. um and it's and that was all powered by by that a small group by by yeah taking no, to well, no how small it
2: was it was a lot of well, people I mean it was but a it lot was of people. A, it was it clearly was a, a minority that, experience amongst people who saw the movie yeah a, a minority experience and
1: then it was you know this it was a smaller group that put that kind of started it and then it just amplified it was people retweeting people you know it was yep. just a constant uh, you know it was people going. Huh, well, I guess I was supposed to think this way about it. I thought right. I had a good time, and it wasn't
2: just but... it wasn't just those 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 people. It was all the clickbait people who ran article and article and article, just yep. unsubstantive, stupid article. People, I don't even, I'm not even sure saw the film. Just repeating the same weird plot hole theories and criticisms of the thing over and over and over again until yeah, that was the story. That was the story of it for sure. mm Hmm. Mhm. And it it didn't do for having Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in it, it didn't do very well internationally either. Right. Again, this movie didn't tank. It made them well over a billion dollars, you know, worldwide, 1.2 billion or something. That was a huge movie for that year, but it 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 was supposed to be the it was supposed to be the next big thing and it was considered a disappointment and that that left people not knowing what to do next.
1: Right, Um, And so, yeah, well, not knowing what to do next Is uh, kind of a a perfect transition (laughs) into our next film uh, Which um, is David Ayer's Suicide Squad And that film was Uh, made, I
2: mean, they were being made concurrently So they were sort of being made in cooperation with each other Although Suicide Squad was considered definitely a, a side project And the highlights were supposed to be this new wasn't supposed to be really the Suicide Squad at all. It was supposed to be the this new introduction of this new Joker and a few Batman cameos that are actually pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah. seeing Affleck's Batman appear amongst these people's like it seems to fit his his sort of darkened outlook and his more cynical nature fit in this universe in a very cool way. We didn't even talk about the nightmare and the flash and the... Yeah, we'll
1: get to that a little bit, yeah.
2: So it's overstuffed with stuff, too, to be fair. Batman versus Superman, it's not like any of that stuff is bad, but it's overstuffed with stuff. And the nightmare sequences are absurd. They're like nightmares would be. They're not just easy things that you find out are a nightmare that trick you. You can tell they're a nightmare almost from the second that they start. This isn't something that's really happening um i love that about it but that was also sort of taken wrong suicide squad let's face it just a nightmare although i have to say the david Ayer is sort of a perfect match for this material and i watched this movie yesterday in preparation for the show that's right i put myself through it for you the movie show with Joel and ryan listener yeah um and it it the one thing i don't like about it is that it has this for this these sorts of characters it has this this the big bad in it is this big, huge unstoppable thing, and the film doesn't seem to earn that as a thing that's causing any problems. It, it's almost like when we meet up with uh, the bad guy, she's sort of just hanging out on a street corner, like making a stew, and then starts fighting with them. Like there's no build up to that character. We're told the origin story of it, but second hand and it just doesn't it it seems that part of it seems weird because the little moments between these characters and the extra humor and the r-rated language and stuff like all that seems to fit pretty well like i didn't really mind it i don't like spending a lot of time with assassins and psychos and i mean this it's you know the film tries to make these guys somewhat sympathetic in ways we can understand, but we don't. I've never found the Harley Quinn character even the least bit sympathetic. I just have never been able to wrap my brain around what she even is and why. I did right. like, however, the, what felt real about it was that she's this, just this dumb kid with this psycho boyfriend. <laughs> and her whole life sucks because of that. Like, that part is like, okay, I could see sort of the, the machinations of that. Uh, Jared Leto's, you know, Joker is, and David Ayer didn't help himself at all. You know, he was, all these hype tweets and stuff about all this weird psychotic shit that Leto was doing on the set, which felt made up. He hyped the hell out of his own movie. Then he complained about the way it was cut. Then a longer cut came out and he said that that wasn't his cut. And now people are pining away for some missing version of, of, uh, the yeah, original the suicide cuts, squad yeah. which you're never going to get because I don't think it exists. I don't there's no better version of this movie out there. The longer version of Suicide Squad is definitely better. It's a character-driven movie that way. It is not in the theatrical version. So that's good, but it doesn't make it somehow still good. But it is what it is. I mean, that's a cheap that's the dumbest thing you can say as a critic that is what it is phrase. Sorry for those of you who, that's your pet peeve, but Suicide Squad is what it is. It's this minor side story thing of these other characters and stuff and it does have some small and fun pleasures in it, you know. Right. I don't yeah. I don't get off on psycho people one-upping each other by trying to kill each other. I don't get up on sexual double entendres and overly sexualized characters that think that's fun i don't get off on you know people manipulating each other or threatening children or threatening spouses to get what they want like there's nothing in this it's dark ugly story all of airs films are dark ugly movies about dark ugly things it's it all works on that level you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so i don't I don't hate it, but I don't enjoy it. And I didn't enjoy it just from watching it the other day. But yeah. people did kind of like it. If I remember, I remember them liking it. Maybe I'm remembering yeah, yeah. it wrong. I remember there being this, no, that's how you do I it. Just like, remem-
1: oh, I just remember everyone just liking Margot Robbie and that's it. That's all I ever Yeah, re- but she's done
2: two other movies since and she's not been good in any of them. That character sucks. I'm sorry, maybe I I just don't get it. You've got a movie star who doesn't mind going all the way with something, and it just feels cheap and exploitative. There's nothing psychologically interesting or rich about that character. It really is just pin-up bullshit to me. So, yeah, I can see why that's the character they wanted to carry on, because a bunch of old, horny Hollywood executives, of course, yeah, let's keep keep Harley Quinn alive, right? But to what end? The the, uh, the birds of prey movies. I mean, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves, but that that's not better That's not an improvement over this version of the character at all. Um, I haven't seen the other one, so I can't say. But what we're left um, with I here saw, is a pretty yeah. empty vessel.
1: Yeah, I the, the new one. I'll, I'll save my thoughts on the new one until we we'll talk get there about it. But I did, I did, yeah, I, I did see it. It's um, yeah. I mean, I, I liked it better than I liked this Suicide Squad, I guess as well. I'll, I'll say at this point. Um, yeah. Um. So yeah. So Suicide Squad. You know, it. It. We just had the death of Superman and Suicide Squad. Um. You know, not really filling the. You know, not really filling the the void. Uh,
2: no, but a huge late that. summer hit for Warner Brothers. And yeah, and it was meant, and it is meant to be part of this chronology. So mm-hmm.
1: it absolutely is so part of the universe.
2: So it it um, should have if it could have done anything, it should have at least stabilized things a little bit. Yeah. And the next movie really should have done that. And it, it just kind of didn't, I don't think.
1: Um, yeah. So then the next move, the, the next one up here, anything is, else? To say? Uh, I mean,
2: there's not much to say about, no, Suicide I don't Squad. have,
1: I don't have a lot to say about Suicide the, actors Squad. in I it are pretty I good.
2: Never, Joel Kinnaman and Will Smith and everybody's Smith doing a pretty good and, job. Yeah, even, uh, even Jay Courtney Reola and
1: Davis and yeah. And, um, uh but no i'm in the wrong
2: movie here
1: Woo! and the
2: sequel which i haven't seen but at least if they and if they could have gotten will smith they would have they at least sort of do respect this film's existence which is nice because it's certainly yeah. a left turn into a different kind of movie but mm-hmm. but these characters these actors all this stuff that's set up in this is is carried on from and I that I appreciate yeah. that at least Well and again
1: I also you know it, it, the movie does some you know the the, the thing about all uh, all these movies is that that the the Christopher Nolan uh Batman movies were so uh had such a devoted fan base and such a uh a, a, um they sort of really permeated all of you know, popular culture so that, you know, you have like, Oh, the Joker's back. And, and you're like, well, wait, no, we have the definitive Joker thing. And then, then like you said, with that, some of the hype tweets, some of the hype tweets were like, the hype tweets were
2: ridiculous.
1: This makes Heath Ledger's Joker look like a day in the park. He didn't say that, but he,
2: but they, but he implied that constantly. And, Mm -hmm. and to be fair, Heath Ledger's Joker, this idea of the Joker as some sort of lovable anti-hero, that's a trick you can do once for sure. And they did it pretty brilliantly, but you you can't next Joker. Can't be that again. You just can't have that. And where they go from here is pretty tough to peg because, because that isn't what the character is. It just isn't. He's not a, he's not a lovable anarchist who mostly only kills bad guys. It just (laughs) isn't that, that's not what the character is. So, you know, but at the same time, Boy, did we like that version of that character? And you know what I mean, as a, as an equal sort of, uh, as an equal, as a menace equal to the Batman character yeah. that was yeah. established. Yeah. Whereas this character, you don't believe that Affleck's Batman would have like an ounce of trouble with this guy, not
1: yeah,
2: because he but. So that's the part. If the part they were claiming they nailed is the part they didn't get right at all. Like I said, yeah. as a psycho boyfriend, I kind of liked him. I thought he was kind of great. You know, because it, sure. mm-hmm. because he is that. He just is a terrible, awful person. He makes her do all this stuff. <laughs> and doesn't and rewards her with no like any of what she actually wants. Uh, that poisonous relationship part of it saying in the film, but that, that's that's yeah. it, and that's. Yeah. That's mostly due to Roby playing the character in this iteration that was somewhat relatable. Yeah. That was a that was a big part of the success of that. So, again, I'm not dissing on her. I just she, – her, she's wasted in this role. Maybe mm-hmm. she's the only one who could do it appropriately, but I just feel like, guys, if you need – and I don't mean to be so cynical about this, but if you need something to jerk off to, there's lots of stuff out there. That's <laughs> – this right. should be – you know even if even if yeah. the sexuality and the flirting and all that is a big part of the character which it is you still gotta there's gotta find something more and this film ultimately doesn't really do that and her next firm, certain next film is written by a couple of women and certainly doesn't do that so yeah. i feel like well i feel like we'll see what. it i got one more movie coming up we'll see how they do in that one but i right. hope they do something different because it, it doesn't do anything for me
1: Sure. Uh, all right. So the very next year, we get um, the character that was introduced in uh, Dawn of Justice, Batman versus Superman. We get uh, the whole backstory, the whole shebang for
2: Wonder Woman. Wonder mm-hmm. Woman. Wonder what? Woman's a, a great movie. It uh, it's, it's the best movie probably on this list. M- maybe not by a lot. Man of Steel's pretty good. I think Batman vs Superman's pretty great for what it is. Um, t- to be fair, it's like three movies crammed into one movie. That's 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 the reward and the punishment all in one thing. Really, this film's mm-hmm. just really great and old fashioned. Even the origin story is told in real time. There's no jumping around in time. Like this, just really feels like this old school. Here we're doing it. Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know, let's show her as let's show her as a teen. Let's show her as an eight-year-old. Let's show her as a fourteen-year-old. You know, let's show her growing up in this magical land. Let's explain why she what she is what she is. The side characters in those early scenes, um, Connie Nielsen and Robin Wright and stuff. It's all really really great. Yep. Um, The younger versions of the character are kind of neat. It moves a little quickly, but you gotta you can't spend forever back there. Right. And you gotta get your star on screen and you gotta do those sorts of things. I understand. I get it. I understand. You know, even though you totally screwed up Tarzan, Greystoke Tarzan Lord of the Apes by wanting to get to your star earlier. This has that feel to it. Like it's just yeah. moving a little quick. Or or like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's just like, wow, wow, that's a lot of backstory in like three minutes. You know, it's just still good. We yep. like an origin story, at least I do. I know a lot of fans out there claim to be bored with them, but a superhero movies that origin story forces you to deal with the question of what is this person and you know what are they? You have to deal with that on a thematic level. When you do a sequel that doesn't have that and you forget to deal with that, you get things like this movie sequel and some other things where you just kind of you can very easily lose sight of the essence when you're just plowing forward to a new adventure and, and you get consumed with the MacGuffin of the thing instead of the core of the thing. This film, uh, Gal Gadot returns as Wonder Woman back during uh, the 20s, I want to say, or the teens, basically. Uh, when, when during the the sort of last days of World War one is when it takes yep. place. Wonder Woman's origin story really was a, is a World War two origin story like Captain America's and a bunch of others um, them moving it to World War one is fun because we don't deal with World War one very much cinematically and correct and I, I dig that although the they don't. <laughs> they trade in the look and the technology, but they we still fight Nazis basically during World War One. You know what I mean? It's still evil scientists, yeah. and it's all it's loaded up with all this World War II iconography. Whereas World War One, the the Kaiser was hardly the threat yeah. to world peace that that the later German characters and stuff became. So, but whatever, it, it's fun. I I, I approve. Even all even the, the fast talking like Londoners and stuff like it's all World War Two truly, um, other than a great trench warfare scene, sort of Wonder Woman's coming out party, which is really mm-hmm. iconic. That is that her first big. She's got a couple little ones, but her first big action scene, crossing no man's land to liberate this town that's been taken over. It, every second of it is thrilling and amazing and loaded with the meaning of what the character is. I love that scene, and I love, love, love the fish out of water stuff. When she chooses to follow Steve Treasure from Trevor from this isolated, peaceful existence that she's had, she's been raised to be a warrior goddess. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. but she still lives in a very she's a very for a character that's so powerful and and wise and has a real wisdom and and a, a righteousness to her. She's very naive and has no idea of the real world has never seen a man before her eating ice cream for the first time, her walking around half naked on the streets of London, all that stuff. Yeah. It's so great. It's so great, Joel. It's really, really great. And gal is like the perfect actor for this part. She's not, I don't see her going on to win an Oscars and stuff and like playing really much more sophisticated people than this, right. because I think her, her, what's great about her is in her physicality. What's great about her is in this sort of wide-eyed look at everything mixed with this steely determination. Like, there's not... This isn't a nuanced character, really. And the film's giving her plenty to work with, but it's, it doesn't want her to be a nuanced character. That's why it works so great. It works on this primal comic book level that I just adore. And Gal prove me wrong, I mean prove me wrong yeah. i'll i'll gladly eat my words but i just i've seen you in other stuff and i feel like wonder woman you know that's it yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's yeah. the role you know <laughs> that's the role of a lifetime so keep doing those as long as they are keep letting you uh don't don't uh don't go off don't 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 go off like uh william shatner or whatever and try a bunch of other things yeah right. uh I still love it though. It's really, really great. Her ideas about what she's doing in the story, she's she thinks she thinks she can find Ares the god of war and kill him and it'll stop World War One and save all these lives and even that turns out to be a super naive thought. Um, but it's the right idea, it's the it's at the same time it's the right thing to fight for, right, Joel? It's the mm-hmm. it's the thing to fight for and Wonder Woman's always square on that and focused on that. And she meets up and ultimately falls in love with this sneaky World War II era ahead of his time spy in World War I and and his the way he sees things, he's not Diego Luna's character from Rogue One or anything, but he the way he sees things is a lot more complicated. Right. You know, he's he's got a greater mission and he's sort of stepping over corpses to achieve it. And she can't stomach any of that, and that that mutual respect between them that still has that push and pull to it, I think, is delightful. Um, I think Patty Jenkins' photography is spot on. I think her attention to character is great. I don't know. It's not much not to. It's just a cheesy comic book movie that really it's, is all it is. But mm-hmm. it's one of the great, great cheesy comic book movies out there. And right. women, and you, and culturally, you just. You know, we, we've had Wonder Woman on TV and it's, that character has been with us for a while, but Hollywood hadn't figured out a way to make a movie about her, which is pretty shameful because when you watch this, it's like, gosh, it's not that hard. Right. There it is. Just understand what the essence of that character is and give that to us. And yep. they did and it works. So um, yeah, that's my part. Part Yeah. Part of what
1: makes and again, part of what makes. uh you know, you talked about how Gal Gadot's portrayal of, of her, you know, in this very uh, she's, she's very focused. She's very uh, righteous, I guess, for, you know, she very self-actualized Chris Pine does such a great job in Steve Trevor to have this bewilderment, this great yet, you know, he, he, he clearly is accomplished at what he's at what he, he is. And he, He's not only bewildered by her, but is just like it's like thrilled by it. He's like, this is not like women that are the, any any woman that is, and he just although he, his own his like, own
2: secretary is a pretty uh, liberated lady. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, no, there. Yeah, to yeah,
1: but I mean, it's and that, but again, that plays into it is that he. He, th- that he's character, able to see her.
2: That character needs her to come along. If you yeah. saw this movie somehow, it isn't. But if you... And that's another... That's a feather in Chris Pine's cap and that he kind of repeatedly... Kind of like the early Michael Douglas roles where he just shows up and is totally willing to be second fiddle to a starring lady. That... That takes It's a, Funny you
1: mention that. It's funny that you mentioned that because he, he, one of the things Chris Pine says in there is when he read the script, he read it like going, "This is romancing the stone, and I'm
2: here for it." Right. You know, it, yeah. He he read it as like, yeah, no, this is great. It's I a great it. comparison. Yeah, that's a great comparison because that it's a similar character to that, but I, even more so, I think that the film does right by Steve, and that Steve's at a place where he needs this woman to come along to to. To get mm-hmm. him back on the path to righteousness, truly, that's he needs to have that. And by the end, it's all crystallized for him. And when it comes time for him to make a big decision, he totally makes the right one, and it's kind of amazing. And um, and I just I I dig it. In that yeah. way, the film totally sticks to landing. It doesn't have the big crazy ending these other movies have, and maybe that's a lesson. To us. Well, what did I do? You wanted
0: to know about the man in Cell 11. Oh,
2: (laughs) sorry. I hit
1: hit a sounder. I bumped my mouse and it hit the George C. Scott. We were about to get... It is not in the file. (laughs) Yeah, we were about to get that. Wonder Woman is
2: not (laughs) not in the file. Uh, Sorry about that, dear listener. Hey, Um, y'all seen Wonder Woman. I mean, this is why we don't do these superhero shows. One, A, because I'm... completely over them i really am so it's hard for me to drum up enthusiasm although the enthusiasm sort of drums up itself when we start talking we'll have to remember Mm -hmm. that that that's true but two we all, all seen all these haven't you i mean truly this is like what do we really have to offer at this point this late in the game about the first part of the DC uh, European union stuff. I feel like not a whole lot. (laughs) Yep. But there Um, you go. I'm with you on mm -hmm. wonder woman. We all pretty much agree. That's a, that's about that's every, that's the wonder woman movie. We all hoped it would be. And all the choices that they make in it, uh, sort of work to that same end. And I, yeah, uh, I really, really dig that. And it's, you
1: know, really at that point, you know, we're like, uh, you know you, you sort of feel like Okay yeah No this is the direction That this That these series of movies These comic book movies Okay yeah They're, they're starting to find Who What they are You know what And and how they all and fit I, together I like that the,
2: That the enemies The bad guys In this Unlike the over the top Weird magical Unbeatable bad guy In Suicide Squad The bad guys in this Are really Easily beatable Um mm-hmm it, 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 it it's war itself that wonder woman's fighting right. against and the lesson she learns that out here with the rest of us it, it's it it's not as easy as thwarting the bad guy that to make that makes right. war go away and mm-hmm. and that i even though that is like yeah we know that but that her learning of that is sort of heartbreaking because we want wonder woman to be pure of heart for us you know we want her to lead the way so when she, when she sees that that it's it's a hard moment that i think really really works and yeah. trevor's and, sacrifice and, really works and just everything about it kind of clicks and is great
1: and you're bringing up an interest you're bringing up an interesting point uh you know uh whereas you know superman is literally a godlike character you know and everything right. like that the moral center for the dc expanded universe is wonder woman yeah well in these set of movies the heart, absolutely yeah
2: she's the heart and soul of all of these because things. she she's, has none of yep. clark's self-doubt she has none of his questioning you know a, that stuff is interesting character stuff but she has none mm-hmm. of that and each time she gets faced with the reality of humanity it's a slap in the face
1: yeah and 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 she, and she doesn't have any of Bruce's cynicism, uh, of Bruce Wayne's, you know, and, right. and uh, yeah, so it's, it's, she's, she's really, and, and that's, and she's vital. She's vital to all of these films. And yet we're watching um, this
2: waiting to see why, why, you know, we've learned in Batman versus Superman that she's been in, she's hasn't gone home. She walks among us, but she's yeah. not been Wonder Woman to us since these events with a couple of exceptions um why you know why'd you go away and yeah and this this movie in itself doesn't get all the way to that and the next movie really doesn't but but i still i'm hopeful we'll we'll find that with this character and with this set of filmmakers because because this movie shows you 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 got it you got it figured out right um
1: all right so uh what do you say we and because you know the the DC uh, extended universe is you know we we had people you know saying after Donna Justice we're like wow well, no well Snyder's directors cut you know we got we need more and the air cut and we need all of these things uh, and and with you know and does green Lantern fit into all of this it has led to some um, some bonkers and and some interesting theories and hopes and dreams uh for people who uh who really do love it so why don't we do some hot takes dc eu the the detective comics european union edition Let's let's get some hot takes
2: let's get some hot takes 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 or right. fan so, theories.
1: Yeah, fan theories. So we and in order to do this, uh, I went back in time. I hopped in my uh, my time machine, yeah. um, and I could uh, and um, looked at some articles from around like 2017 and stuff like after after you know around the time Wonder Woman came out and stuff uh, to see what people were saying about. Um, about these films and where they thought things should be, things should go. Um, so let's start with uh, here's here's a hot take theory that the uh, the world engine that's the uh, thing from, that was
2: destroying the world when Zod and yep. Superman were duking it out at the end of Man of yep. Steel.
1: The Man of Steel uh, world engine yep. that is what create created Flash and or and the cyborg
2: well there's a flash movie coming up where we'll learn more cyborg uh, i feel like we know what created him and it had nothing to yeah. do with the world engine but yeah but maybe it did that, i mean maybe there's still some technology connection there i'm willing to believe that that's possible yep. um The definitely the world the fallen world engine the destroyed kryptonian ship the like I said, the DNA and the blood from the dead Zod character, like all of those, have been used mm-hmm. by the evil scientists of the day to create all kinds of bad stuff. So I can I can imagine that it, maybe Cyborg was part of that, but Cyborg does have his own story. Um, I'm watching the four-hour version of Justice League tonight because Joel's hey. been bugging me all year. Which is to say, oh, he, I just really. Which is to I'm say, really he curious. bugged me once this year, back in February, to do a show about this. And now our next show is going to be Justice League, uh, compare Both and contrast. Versions. Yeah, no, no,
1: no. Justice League versus Justice League. So I planned John that show without having show. to see the movie, yeah.
2: which is interesting. But I feel like we know where Cyborg came from, and it's not this. But I like where this person's head's at. Who made this theory? Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, that connective tissue is parts of what makes this fun, and I can see how. I wouldn't be shocked if we found out something like that.
1: Yep.
2: Um, but and we I also, think, Flash being made, being formed out of Kryptonian technology, like. Yeah, I think anyone well, into a a Flash-centric sort of storyline wouldn't love that idea
1: very much. Yeah, I think that well, as the theory goes with this is it's. Um, is that it is? Uh, it's all of the disruption, the the atmospheric disruption that um, that the world uh,
2: machine, the, the world builder machine. But I love Flash. Is I love what
1: strikes him with the. With the I love that turns him.
2: Flash's uh, cameo in in Batman versus Superman at the end of the nightmare night with a with a K.
1: Yeah, they, Batman's Nightmare, it.
2: and it, it ends with Flash, you know, moving so fast that he's coming into some sort of timeline, and he gives this very, like, David Lynchian sort of cryptic comments that he's saying to Batman, and was he really there or wasn't? He was, because we mm-hmm. see the little paper floating down after he's gone when Batman, when when Bruce thinks he's woken up for the second time. I love that. I just love that. I'm like, this is what we want, right? We want all these little weird connections and they can pay off. Or even if this doesn't pay off, this, this drums up interest. It gets me intrigued. I don't need to understand it exactly for it to have meaning here. A lot of people hated it just for that reason, because it doesn't really state its reason for being it. It just Mm -hmm. is a thing, but it's, it's spooky what he's saying. I'm, what does he say? Like I'm too I'm too early, right? I'm too early. Yeah. Like he figures out that, and it's yeah. it's all about uh, it's all about Lois, you know, and it's it's scary because it it spells doom for Lois' character, and it suggests that there's a dark side of Superman that he actually has to be careful of. It's it's a spooky little thing that that's all the last we hear of it. But I really dug that scene. So
1: yeah. Um let's do just to uh, get I'm the flash get in that, there cuz he,
2: he that, Yeah. That was neat. And um, I right, just so, love the effects too of it is so cool. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um we are uh the here's here's the theory that comes it's it's sort of more out of uh Suicide Squad and we get it a little bit in, in Dawn of Justice is that the Joker uh, is not the one who killed Robin. You know, we have that scene in, where Bruce Wayne is walking through and he sees the, uh, he has Robin's suit. Yeah. Um, uh, that the Joker is not the one to do it. And Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, sort of implies that she did it, that she's more responsible for it. However, there's the, uh, there's the theory that the Joker himself is actually Robin who has gone insane.
2: And will that I could be, see that.
1: Is that is that where we're gonna go? Um,
2: it's gonna be tough at this point, but um, it's just mm-hmm. talking to this theory back in 2018. But it's a really neat idea. And again, it that the tease of that, the tease of Robin and his fallen, and it, that something terrible has happened. We know that. I, I don't know that it matters who's directly responsible. I think if the Joker is in any way responsible, he's responsible. You know what I mean, or yeah, or is, is that what it is? Is it that the, is it that Robin became, you know, turned and became the the Joker? That's a great idea. That remember that theory going around then, and that's that's the sort of yeah. excitement that those movies were supposed to drum up, and yeah. this cool little theory sort of. Who cares now? But I, it's a, it's a, it's a very neat idea, and I would like to hear that, and I would like to hear that story from Harley's point of view. I think that that would be very interesting. So, yep. yeah, I'm, I think um, that I, I really like that scene, the little Robin memorial that Bruce has. It's not a scene, even. It's just something that a bit of traffic that he crosses yep. through to get from one place to yep. another. But it, it sparks the imagination. It's very cool.
1: Um, and the last one that we'll uh, will just sort of uh, throw out there is is a is a fun one. It is that um, Aquaman is the one who saved Clark Kent in Man of Steel. There's the scene where Clark Kent uh, saving the people on the oil, uh, the, the the yeah the oil rigging. Um, with respect to uh,
2: the one great moment in Superman Returns, which is not a loved film, but uh, the one great moment is him. You know, he's trying to stop. A, a jet that's falling to earth without just crushing it and destroying it. You're like, it's not yeah. enough that he's strong enough. To, sure. He could stop it, but the movie shows you and demonstrates that he's got to stop Stopping it. Stopping And yeah, that yeah. is, yeah. that is physics a, still. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's a task worthy of Superman. And when you're writing a good Superman movie, you really do got to sit down and go, all right, <sighs> You, like Seinfeld <laughs> does in all those great old Seinfeld movies, we gotta. What, what it's Superman? What are we gonna do? We gotta think yeah. of ways to thwart Superman. That's really really hard. Um, that's a way, and it, that sequence is excellent because of that. And there's a few spread out amongst these films that uh, that oil rig sequence before he's even Superman, he's just Clark as you as you appropriately said. Mm-hmm. um yeah did aquaman save him nah, i mean is he does superman need saving from aquaman right
1: well it gets there you know there's a scene with all the whales and or you know the whales coming up in there like oh yeah aquaman sent the whales to just sort of uh to what give to him a give him 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 help him? yeah i guess
2: um it seems to help right but I, i'm yeah. not sure what's happening there yeah maybe aquaman helps him but why is aquaman helping clark at that point he certainly yeah. doesn't seem happy to see him later so that's no, no it
1: it makes it, it makes no sense except that if Aquaman wasn't saving Clark Kent, he was just saving a
2: guy who was. It's fun. In, One, in it's super stupid because it's so
1: stupid. I lo- because yeah.
2: it—it's whales and not everything has to be something. But two, it's super fun because maybe Aquaman did it. Like that. Whenever you see something in these, if it inspires you to have some sort of idea about mm-hmm. it, that—that that is what's exciting about them. And of yeah. course, that Jason. Yeah, Jason Momoa states that
1: zach snyder told him that that is what is what's happening there but zach snyder has said going no i just kind of wanted a cool shot (laughs) right he's yeah so it's
2: who is it sometimes a whale is just a whale
1: sometimes a whale (laughs) is just a whale (laughs) but Uh, i don't know that is true yeah
2: it's kind of i think it's funny that zach's like yeah yeah jason yeah, I like that. that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that might be what it is. Hey, I saw it when I was watching Man of State, and he's like, Yeah, sure, Jason, go with that. Roll. Do. Um, yeah. You, you saved <laughs> Superman. Yeah. And you know what? You saved Superman before there was Superman.
2: With you, there without you, there would be, no, you, no, there Superman. Would be no
1: Superman. It's yeah. pretty cool.
2: <laughs> but I really feel like timeline wise, there is no Aquaman yet at that point. Yeah, I don't think there but is I, But whatever, yeah, it's fun. I get it. Uh, the next Aquaman's film in the series mom. is Justice League. We're gonna we're gonna try. Well, we'll see. Maybe I won't have a whole show to do about that, but maybe we'll do the next couple too. But I, I have a feeling Justice League will be more like our traditional deep dives. So I think we can even pull out the deep dive uh, fanfare because I really mm-hmm. do think we kind of got to go go through it blow by blow. I think we got to talk about the differences both in style and in plot and other things. Yeah. And talk about just the existence of, the culmination of a four-hour film. Because, you know, he was, Zach was promising that it, Zach was promising in interviews and such before he took himself off the project. And this is just a tease for next week. But he was promising that he was going to deliver a shorter, funner film. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it's would seem that he either doesn't know what a short fun film is <laughs> or that he really yeah. had no intention of doing that at all yeah. at any time yeah. and was just gaming us. Like it was gaming and Jason. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. It, it'll be and a, that, and a that two, would absolutely fit with who
1: he is as a person. Yeah. He's the kind of, he's that kind of guy. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about that next week. Next week uh, will be justice league. Um, But until then, we sure do. Thank you for joining us on The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Take care,
0: everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.